It's Monday, January 7th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Josh Caldwell, our Vice President of International Programs. Josh will walk us through Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 16. We have a lot of verses um, in this section today as we're doing our Bible study at Lifeline on Monday mornings, and um, we're just thankful for this testimony of Stephen's life. And I know as a child growing up, I heard this when I was uh, growing up in church and heard these stories. But I think as I travel the world and I meet with people of different cultures, people that are sharing their faith in different ways all around the world, um, this really hits home to me to remind me to go deeper in my faith, but also to pray for those that are uh, being persecuted for those that are dying for their faith, those that are being bold in sharing their faith with others. And I think today this is one of our takeaways. I mean, you're right here at the beginning of our talk this morning is how bold are we being with our faith and how are we sharing the hope that we have in Jesus with those around us. So let's take something from Stephen's life today and let's use it to proclaim um, the message of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. As we're looking at this, we're going to recap and just kind of walk through these verses. I'm not going to read all of these verses to us today, but I would encourage you um, to take a few minutes um, today or tomorrow and read through this uh, section of verses. Jack Wellam wrote a short little character study on Stephen on patheos.com. I encourage you to check that out as well. Um, and I'm going to use some of it today as we're looking at these verses. And as we get started and we take a look back at Stephen's life, we see that Stephen uh, may have been one of the first or the first uh, Christian martyr in the church. And Stephen was someone who was a servant in the early church. And we see in, in Acts 6, verses 1 through 3, uh, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And we know that the Hellenists, um, we see them uh, talking about um, that the Jewish uh, widows were being neglected. And then we see in verse 2, it says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word and uh, word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. And we know that Stephen was uh, appointed to this duty of serving, serving the vulnerable, serving widows, um, which is is awesome for us to see as as believers that are serving the vulnerable today. We're serving orphans and widows today through Lifeline. We're seeing that these verses are really strong for us to think about how Stephen was chosen to serve the widows and the vulnerable among him. And Stephen was named first in this list of people that would serve. And then Philip was named next. And we know that Stephen obviously made great impact through his life and death, but we also know that Stephen, uh, I'm sorry, that Philip made great impact and we will see him named uh, later in uh, the next couple chapters. We see in, in Acts 6, 8, we see Stephen being arrested. 
We see him being arrested right after these verses about him being appointed to serve the vulnerable. But we see him being arrested two verses later. And we, um, he was arrested because he was full of grace and power and was doing great wonders and signs among the people. The Spirit of God was using him, was working through him. And he was arrested because of that. And in Acts 6, 11 through 13, we see that they were not able to find fault in him. They secretly invest uh, instigated men who said we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council and they they set up false witnesses and that kind of leads us really to, to today's verses and we're looking at all of chapter 7 today and I'm going to focus on the end of chapter 7, but when Stephen was brought before the council, the very first verse here in chapter 7, the high priest said, are these things so? And then Stephen began a lengthy apologetic response to the council. And his argument um, to the council was not that the council was not capable of challenging him and we know that at the end of these verses it led to Stephen's death but as we walk through verses 2 through 50 uh, again I'm not going to read all of these I would encourage you to read them later but just kind of summarize that these points he points to to Abraham and to Joseph and to Moses and to the monarchy of David and Solomon and this whole story he is opening um, with kind of a respectful tone here, but he Stephen starts with Abraham and describes how God was present alongside him in Mesopotamia. We see that in the these first few verses here in chapter 7. And God made a covenant um, and, and made the man the father of many nations before the law, the temple, or the nation of Israel even existed. That God made a covenant with Abraham. And then he wa- walks on in the next few verses, verses 9 through 15, he talks about Joseph. And Stephen reminds them of how jealous his brothers were, but God was with Joseph. God was with him. God was with Abraham. Then God was with Joseph. And we see these through Stephen's telling of these stories. And then then uh, Stephen goes on uh, in verses 20, really kind of 20 through through 40 or 20 through 38, talks about Moses' life and how he's showing... Uh, through Moses that in verses 20 through 22, that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. Um, In verses 23 through 29, Moses understood his role as a savior of the people, but the people, what did they do? I think this is really important for this whole section. What did the people do? They rejected him. And then the next part it's really verses 30 through 38, God appeared to Moses in the wilderness and God spoke to Moses and declared that that place was of holy ground and that Moses led the people out of Egypt into the wilderness. And Jesus um, draws the attention really at that time of the Sanhedrin in verse 37. I want to uh, turn our attention there where it says this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. And it is a, it's an important prophecy about Jesus um, where Moses, or Stephen is telling about Moses' life, but he is also tying it to Christ. 
Um, Jesus was like Moses in so many ways, and and Stephen describes Moses. He was mighty in the word and deed, just like Moses. And Jesus was rejected as a savior, just like Moses was rejected. We look. I'm going to read verses 39 through 43 to us. Our father refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us, as this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. So the people are turning away from Moses, and they are uh, rejecting him. And how clear that is in what is leading down to our end of our verses today where Stephen is talking to, it comes to a climactic part of the message where he tells the audience that they actually are the lawbreakers. They are the ones that have him on trial for blasphemy. They were actually true that someone did blasphemy, but it was the people um, of the Sanhedrin, not uh, Stephen. And we come down to verse 51 where we see him say this, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. In these verses, we see Stephen's tone kind of change to be a storytelling of Abraham and Joseph and Moses and really turn toward directing at the people in the room and saying, you are the stiff-necked ones. You resisted the Holy Spirit just like Israel before you. And it's like Israel before them resisted Joseph and Moses and killed Jesus. Um, he He is really calling them the murderers. It says, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. He's calling them the murderers of Jesus. And he says, you are the privileged who you received the word, the law, and did not keep it. Um, He really turns this whole story toward directed at them that they are the lawbreakers. And then we see in these next few verses how the Sanhedrin respond. Now, when they heard these things, They were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So picture this. He had just told them they were stiff-necked and they were enraged back at him. And he turns and he sees the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed after him. They had had enough. They were done listening to him and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul and they were they were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. The words there, he fell asleep. He died in peace. He died a peaceful death because he had hope in Jesus. We might also have noticed that Jesus or that in these words that says Jesus was standing at the right hand of God as if almost welcoming 
as we do when we have um, people over to our home, we stand and welcome them. It's like Jesus was welcoming him into the kingdom. Instead of the Sanhedrin responding to Stephen by asking questions or, or in a humble way, they were enraged. But Stephen's view, he viewed his death in a heavenly way. He gazed into to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus. And it reminds me of a personal story of, of my grandmother. My grandmother had Alzheimer's for many years. And I remember her sitting on our couch and uh, with coloring books. And she would color at our house on Sunday afternoons. And I remember interacting with her. And she would call my name, my father's name, and my father's name, her husband's name, and my brother's name, you know, uh, another name. And she just had a very hard time with her memory in those last days. Um, and I remember us driving to eat dinner one night and get a call that my grandmother was was very ill. She would, had been rushed to the hospital. And we, we got there, and the doctors said that she had been quoting verses of Scripture. And she had been singing songs and quoting verses of Scripture and calling out to the Lord. And um, it just reminds me of this idea of a peaceful death. And she went on to, to pass away. And it just reminds me of a peaceful death that we see here from Saul, I mean, from uh, Stephen, because of the, the trust and the hope we have in Jesus. And I encourage all of us, if we are listening to this podcast today and we don't have that hope that we can have in Jesus, that we would turn to him today, that we can, we can have a hope. We can have a peaceful hope in him, that a peace that passes all understanding, that all understanding beyond what happens in this world, we can have peace in Christ. And we can see that through Stephen today, that he had peace in Christ. And we want to also take note of another character that we see here in verse 58 of these verses, that when Stephen was stoned, those who were stoning him laid down their garments at the feet of a young man, a young man named Saul. Uh, Paul, who was Saul, uh, must have been an eyewitness to Stephen's testimony at the council, and Saul must have heard those heart-piercing words. Um, very, very similarly, as we heard in Luke 23, that Jesus was saying, uh, Lord, do not hold their sin against them, which were very similar to Jesus' statement on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. We also see in Acts 22 where Paul said, And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. This this act of stoning of Stephen was a very impactful thing in Paul's life as we see here. And we know that Stephen's life was impactful to many um, and still is impactful to many today. And Stephen's story is one of boldness in spite of threat of execution. Um, Stephen's life makes me think of our brothers and sisters around the world that are standing bold for their faith in Jesus. They are speaking up. They are sharing truth so that others may know the hope in Jesus. These brothers and sisters may face the same future that Stephen did. And today, I pray that we can walk away from this story and these verses and remember that our brothers and sisters are around the world and remember to pray for them. Remember that they are being persecuted and many of them are being martyred for the faith today. We are to 
to remember them. As we see in Hebrews 13, 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are in the body. Let's remember the body of Christ, the brothers, our brothers and sisters. Let's remember them today. Let's also um, remember these, these, verse, these words. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Stephen's life and death leads us today to want to become more like Jesus. His life and death leads us to want to serve the vulnerable. His life and death leads us to want to share share Christ, the hope of Christ, and stand firm on Scripture. We see him stand firm on the Word of God through telling the story of the life of Abraham and Moses and Joseph and of David, and we see him stand firm on that, and we are to stand firm. So today, let's walk away with those things, to remember to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to remember to serve the vulnerable, to stand firm on Scripture, and let's remember to preach and to share the gospel with those that are around us. Thanks, Big Daddy. And this week we are praying for domestic adoption. We are praying that our country and its leadership would submit itself to the authority of God. We are praying for more expectant mothers to choose life for their children. We're praying for protection over the ministry of Lifeline, uh, particularly as it, as it pertains to religious liberty issues. We're praying for birth mothers who desire to make contact with their children. We're praying for children who meet their birth parents for the first time and for their families and their ability to navigate new relationships with grace, love, and confidence. We're praying for birth parents and adopted children who desire a meeting but hear no response from the other party. We're praying for peace and confidence for prospective adoptive families as they wait for God to bring children into their families. We're praying for extended families and friends who are waiting couples to be a community of support during the wait. We're praying for courage and peace when families hear no, and we're praying that their identity is in Christ and not parenthood. We're praying for uh, one specific family as they grieve the return of a birth mother and birth father um, and discern the next steps uh, for their family as they had to return a child to the birth families. We're praying for families as they learn the heart of open adoption and choose their level of openness, and we're praying that our staff would prepare them well. We pray that our families would desire to share the gospel above all else when they navigate openness with wisdom. We're praying for situations where the birth mother and the adoptive parents struggle with their mutual openness. We're praying for new families entering our domestic programs from Mississippi uh, as we have had the opportunity to bring on fold uh, families from Bethany in Mississippi. We're praying for staff working with these families in all of our domestic states. We're praying for mission-minded families that God will continue to bring a lifeline and praying for opportunity to work with more birth mothers in new states this year in 2019. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for our country, the country of the United States. Lord, in many ways we have become uh, 
proud and exultant of ourselves. And we're praying that our leadership in our country would duly submit ourselves to the authority of God. We're praying for expectant mothers to choose life for their children. Lord, we ask for protection over our ministry and that religious liberty issues would be settled and give opportunities for ministries like Lifeline to operate on our conscience, our convictions, and our faith. We ask that you would bring birth mothers who desire godly missional Christian families to Lifeline, that we can help them and and work with them and point them in the way uh, that they need to go. We're praying for new families as they enter our domestic adoption program from Bethany of Mississippi. We pray you give them grace and help them as they navigate uh, this new journey. We pray for more mission-minded families to to be brought to Lifeline. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would give us more opportunities in our states to work with birth mothers, uh, to show them the hope of the gospel and ultimately help them with adoption if that is what they so choose. Lord, we pray that you would be sovereignly working in this program in 2019 to grow this program uh, for the expanse of your glory and your gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.